This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 566 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Bait Saddles. On tonight's show, we are joined by a couple of Canadians. First, we have Brittany Fraser Beaulieu, top Grand Prix competitor, and then Christelot Boylan, recipient of Equine Canada's Lifetime Achievement Award. After that, we will have a discussion with biomechanics coach Dave Thind and competitor Charlotte Jorce. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, that was Phil. A, that was a little bit of a tricky intro because we've got a little bit of French in there, a little bit of German <laughs> in there, and a little bit of uh, Charlotte's Danish or Swedish. Yep, I, that's where I let you do that one, not going to lie. Danish, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm glad that's your part. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm well, sorry. I'm sorry to anybody who's ever come on the show and we've messed up their yeah. name. I usually let Phil do the hard names just because I I bow out early and Phil gives it a good old college try. So no, but we have a great show. I mean, one of the benefits and I, and we all are benefiting from this is right now uh, we're able to get some really cool people on the show who, you know, normally would be out competing or coaching, um, and it's, it's, that's been a bonus. I know all of us are trying to look at the bonuses on everything, but the, the how are you doing? Side, yeah, yeah, the, the, the normally yeah. crazy busy people are not so crazy busy yeah, and we can, get we them. can talk it's, to them and we, we can bring you some good interviews and, and that's kind of fun. Yeah. I love it. So how's your week been, Phil? What have you been up to? I am doing some riding, yes, just kind of easing back into it, getting, getting the horses a little bit, you know, thinking about their fitness and how, you know. I can't, I can't just jump on and go all gung-ho. Right. I'm, yeah, because you know, they had how many weeks off, though? Uh, a few, at least. Four, maybe? Yeah, four. Anyways, it depends on the horse. Some of the horses are being kept going by their owners, so which is great that they've been able to do a little bit of riding, and um, but others have been completely off. So um, we're all at different stages at the moment. Yeah, sure. And that's yeah, great. I think. And um, <laughs> um, one of the big bonuses is that I'm not too much out of shape. Because yeah, how's it going? We've been doing the dressage rider training. Yeah, how's how's week three? We're on week three. <laughs> How is it going for you? Well, week one and two were <laughs> a little tough because it was sort of an adjustment to, you know, what is this all about? Why can't I do a squat? These kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. Now, week three, I have discovered that the core workout is murder. It's it's torture. <laughs> People, I still, I'm honestly, I did mine last night and then I'm sitting here. I'm like, my abs are still hurting. Like, what, is, was, what is this about? Like, I thought we'd have a little bit more of a gradual ramp no. up, whatever. And Nicholas like, okay, and then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do this. And I was like, oh, no. I was saying some bad words in my tack room. Yeah, not going to lie. Her, yeah. I pause her. I take a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, my abs are A 20 minute workout. I, I'm putting that in air quotes because that's not a 20 minute workout. That was like. Four it was like, tough. I had to take breaks, <laughs> multiple breaks. <laughs> but on the other hand, yeah. the, 
the strength was a little bit not as hard. And the, I've not done the strength, but I did the yoga, and, and the yoga is good this week. I really enjoyed it. Good. Yeah, you get a night. Nice, yeah. nice, I like a I like a good flow. Yeah, that was a good flow, a good good yoga. So uh, if you guys the don't know what we're talking harder. about, I hope uh, we we we're loving hearing from people that are doing it. I have one student that she texts me every workout and it's, it's hilarious. I can't stop laughing whenever I get the text. Um, also the core, she, she was not happy with me. Um, she's like, I am not sitting the trot this weekend and my lesson. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, great. (laughs) But, um, yeah, no, it's fun. So what we're talking about, if you haven't heard, uh, as a community, we're doing the dressage rider training program, uh, with Nicholas Smith, and we hope you guys are enjoying it. Shout out to Nancy Jones. She is so cute. She always sends us texts on how she's doing and email shout outs. We love them. So keep them coming. Um, you know, it's definitely, <laughs> we, we laugh when we get them cause we're feeling the same thing in, um, What's so great about the program is you can be at all levels and she gives you all kinds, but I'm like, I can do the highest level. I've been, you know, done this before. Oh no, I was the same. I was like crying yesterday yeah, <laughs> in my like, core yeah, workout. I mean, uh, yeah, because we're, I think we're both kind of fiercely competitive and like, yeah. okay, we're going to go do it. And it's like, uh, <laughs> oh, that was a gosh. mistake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll oh, I'm laughing it. and it's kind of hurting my abs. It's not going to laugh. Um, <laughs> We'll so it. yeah, it's been great. So yeah, we, uh, we have also same thing here, you know, again, everyone's at sort of a varying level of fitness and, um, stages Our competitions in the U S open June 1st. Um, if you have a chance, take a look at the USCF protocols, they're extensive for competitions. So, um, I have some students that are going the first weekend in June. I, I personally am not, I'm going to hang back, um, until, I feel like travel's a little bit more normal. Uh, but again, everyone has different levels of, of comfort. Um, so we're, we're definitely uh, doing that. So we're getting ready for some shows and, and some fun things that are, that are starting to happen. So uh, whatever you're up to, we hope you're, you're doing well and, and, and trying to keep a positive spin all, all this. And be safe. Be, be safe. safe. And, yeah. and, and really think about it. I think that the USCF, and they came out with some things and, and really basically if you're not comfortable, don't go, it's, it's okay. Don't go. And it's just a horse show at that point, And that's fine. Um, but I, I feel like I've got to tell you, um, Phil knows my sister really well. And my sister comes and helps me. My sister, Lindsay, shout out to my sister. Um, she and I grew up riding together. She also rides Grand Prix. Um, and so she's my eyes on the ground here. And she came to see Big Mike and and I was a little bit nervous because I've been like kind of hounding the basics. And I'm like, oh, I really want to see how we're doing. And my sister actually complimented me on how my basics were. And I almost cried a little. It was great. Because I've been really struggling. Been <laughs> she really must have been stuck in the house for a while too. Yeah, I think she was stuck in the house. Like Phil would never have compliment. No, Phil's no, I don't want to say that. You do compliment. Um, but I was really happy. And 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 so that was like a little, little uh quarantine victory for me that that uh, you know, gold Lindsay, star. Yeah. Gold I was star. like, yes, I've been working really hard at this. And, and Lindsay was really cute and really complimentary. So that was fun. So we hope you all are, are working on your basics and, and trying to get that much better. I'm trying to get big Mike ready for pre St. George. So really big, big jump in his life. And, uh, I think tomorrow I may even try a shred belly. So he gets used to that just for fun. Why not? So all right. Yeah, pretty fun. Sounds so, great. Well, we have a great show. We're going to get started. Uh, we have a lot of Canadians. Phil, you've been working hard on this, and it's fantastic. We've gotten them. <laughs> 
So we're going to come back with um, right after this commercial break from Bates Saddlery uh, with Brittany Frazier Beaulieu. And she was uh, going to tell us about her journey this year, getting back from having her baby and getting ready for the Olympics that will be next year. Bates Saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline, engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the care cushion system and easy change fit solution ensure the absolute comfort and your peace of mind. Revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a bait saddle. See your local retailer for a test ride or visit baitsaddles.com to find out more. That's baitsaddles.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Canadian rider Brittany Frazier Boyle. She was part of the WEG team in 2018. She was the highest scoring Canadian. She was the silver medalist at the Pan Am Games in 2015. And I was there. I saw it. Brittany, I have to tell you, I'm so excited to have you on the show tonight. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be on the show. Yes, I have been a fan of your horse. He is just wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about him? Um, yes, it's been a, a long partnership with Alan and I. Uh, my father and I purchased him at an auction in Holland called Equine Elite Auction when he was five years old. Um, he was very big and powerful when when I tried him, and I just loved the feeling that I that I had when I sat on him, picked up Trot and Canter. I felt like I was on a rocket ship. Um, so you know, it, we started off at the very beginning, could barely. Fear, walk, trot, canter, um, total basics. And I was working with my trainers and he just brought me to the top of the sport. And I'm so thankful for him and that he has come into my life and him and I have an incredible partnership together. Um, he's really like my first child. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've traveled all over the world. He's brought me to the top of the sport. He's made me see the world. Um, you know, we should compete in an Aachen, which was a huge dream of mine to be able to canter down Central Line at such a famous show was an amazing experience. Now, Brittany, do you, do you ever wish he was just a little smaller? How how big is yes. he? He's enormous. Yes, he's pushing 18 hands. Yeah, um, that's that's way is, big. Yeah, It's very big, but I will say he's extremely comfortable, so that's a plus. Um, I, you know, and I'm so used to riding him now that sometimes I don't even realize how big, and I forget how big he is. Um, but I will say after I had my baby and I had some time off and my core strength was non-existent, um, <laughs> I realized how powerful and big he was because <laughs> I, I, I really struggled for a little yes. while to get back so Brittany, tell us, you had a baby, right? You, you missed the Pan Am games, right? Because you had a, a, a adorable little one. So tell us a little um, bit about that. I mean, that's a huge challenge for all of us. And we're all kind of facing a little time off right now, not, not scheduled. Yeah. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about like 
how you came back after a baby and what that meant. That was, that was amazing. So I was very fortunate actually to be able to compete um, as much as I did when I was pregnant. My, my pregnancy was um, pretty straightforward. So I was very fortunate for that. Um, Coming back, I, I felt like I was ready two weeks after I had my son. Um, but my husband and mother pretty much had to hold me in the house and said, absolutely <laughs> not. You're not getting on yet. Um, but on week three, I convinced them that I was fine. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize, you know, how, I don't know. I don't think you realize it until you're put in that situation, but I just told myself, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to trot. And I took one trot step and I was like, whoa, I am mm. not ready. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually um, had a lot easier time riding a few of my students' horses because they were smaller movers and smaller animals and a lot, a little bit easier to put together. Um, so I tried to get my fitness back on those horses. But I will remember being in the arena, sitting trot, being like, oh, my gosh, my abs are on fire. <laughs> it was some days I'm like, oh, I need to take a break. Um, so that was it was a, it was a challenge. But I was so determined because I wanted to compete at Devon. Um, and that was at the end of September. And I had my son in the middle of June. Um, I was so determined to get back into shape because I miss competing so much. I, I love competing. And I told myself I am going to be somewhat fit to go back and ride Grand Prix at that show. So um, were my abs there? No, they weren't. Girl, you're a <laughs> boss, though. That's huge. Oh, my. I survived. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That is so cool. So so tell us, you came back. You're ready for Devin. Um I have to be honest, I don't even know what day it is. So tell us, um, you know, you were, you were ready for, for, for going for Tokyo, right? You were right now the leading yeah. Canadian, like to kind of talk us through sort of your Florida season and, and getting ready for Tokyo. Okay. So after Devin, um, I took all in back to Montreal cause that's where I'm living right now. And, um, and started preparing him for the Florida season. I actually went to Wellington a little bit earlier um, last year because I wanted to, you know, get back into a training method with Ashley Holzer, my coach. We did a little bit of Pixio um, at home before Devin, but really for training with the Olympics, I, I needed to be with her more on a consistent basis, actually, especially having time off from, you know, after my baby, I gave all in a little bit of time off and, I, you know, with my fitness level too. So we ended going to, ended up going to Florida in November and I wanted to do a national show in December just to kind of, you know, get all the rust out and just to get back down cinch line. So I ended up doing that. And then I started right in um, the season, the first show in January. Um, I had a little bit of a few rusty moments. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, just with the stress of with all of, because with our criteria, all of our scores count, we can drop one score, um, but it's an average base of, of your whole competition season. So um, after I got the rust down, my, my scores, you know, kept getting 
bigger and bigger. And I felt like I had a completely different horse under me. You know, he is 15. So he's a seasoned Grand Prix horse. He's been all over the world. So, and he loves to compete. Like I trot him, I trot him down that side of global and he's like, okay, let's go. So Mm -hmm. I love that about him, especially in the freestyle at night, he gets pretty hot. So it's actually so much fun. But I ended up um, at the end of the season, well, the last show was the Nations Cup. Um, Owen and I have been on um, on many Nations Cup teams for Canada, but this one was a little bit extra special. I was on the team with a couple of really good friends of mine. Um, we ended up winning the silver medal. And on the freestyle night, I had a personal best at uh, 70. 78.7, I think it was. Um, and that's I, a good and one. Medal. So <laughs> that was an individual bronze medal. So that was um, for us to end the season the way that everything ended. I couldn't have ended it on a better note. Um, so after that, with all the with COVID-19 and everything, we decided to go home because I thought that that was best for my son. Um, so we ended up coming back home and um, all in came back home a couple of weeks later. And now we're kind of sitting in limbo wondering what's going to happen with COVID-19 and the pandemic and when the next horse show will, will be. But I I was really crossing my fingers that Akin might happen this year, but that just mm-hmm. got canceled. Yeah, so. they just canceled it. That's right. Yeah. yeah, this week, yeah, right? So, they just canceled that. Yeah. So it's a little bit hard to train at the moment, I find, and to make a plan because everything is so unknown. So I decided to just, you know, give all in a little bit of a break again because he has such an amazing season. Um, and for me right now, the most important thing is to keep him sound and healthy because he knows his job. And next summer is a long way away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you can tell us, you know, when, when you were having your time off, what what was all in doing at at that point? Was he off? Did you were you able to have somebody ride him for you a little bit? Keep his like fitness going. Pregnant? So during so my last competition was in February at the five star where I um, I won the five star. So that was a big career <laughs> highlight. That was also. really cool. You were pregnant um, too. It was amazing. I was. I, was I mean, like I told you I'm a fan girl. Yeah. <laughs> girl, I um, thought, wow, she's amazing. Cause your horse is an enormous trot. It's uh, awesome. I know. But the extra weight, I will say was a bonus for me. <laughs> <in that moment. laughs> Um, so I actually my trainer ended up riding him just through to the end of the season um then I took him back and he enjoyed lots of time in the paddock and then I took him home to Montreal in the middle of April and he actually had a month off maybe a month and a half off I just he just went in the paddock and just I just wanted to rest him and I couldn't ride anyways and um I actually board at a good friend of mine Naima Liberté's stable and she was still in Florida so I decided when she came back she was going to start a backup for me um so when she came back to Montreal from training with Ashley she started him again for me which I'm very thankful for okay that's and, great yeah uh, cool I was, I was helping her up until she went to the Pan Ams because she came home for a little bit and then she left for the Pan Ams and I took over riding everybody again. So it was, uh, 
Yeah, it was a it was definitely a, a pretty amazing experience. The whole thing went very well for me, and I'm fortunate. Yeah. So um, maybe you can you have a little insight to you know all the riders who are gonna be able to get back to their barns and get back to riding their horses and, and trying to get fit. Is there any, is there any advice that you're going to, that you would give to, to all of us and, and, and the listeners here? Well, I would say, you know, since we're all kind of cooped up at home is to find a, a home workout that, that works for you and, and your body and do it for 20 minutes at home. Um, get out and go for walks or go for runs outside to get some fresh air. Um, that's, I, I have a spin bike at home, so that's what kind of kept me motivated. And, um, but also I find the home workouts are, are, are good. And they, you know, as long as you work the real, the, the muscle groups that riders need, and there's tons of workouts out there that you can find online um, to keep you fit. Yeah. No, I think that that's such a good, good thing. And to stay fit and to stay healthy. And I think we all, all of us are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people are like wanting to get back at the stable and rather than, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge right now, but hopefully soon we will have, um, you know, it sounds like all in did great, right? It sounded like with actually a little bit of time off. Yeah, the, I think I don't I think the think, horses really care, right? I think they're happy to have a little I time. Think, I don't think they care, you know. that are, um, I think it's important that horses keep moving. Um, sitting in the stall, I'm not a fan of. Um, you know, in my opinion, horses need to go outside. They have to. They have to be horses. So I think that I, even when I wasn't pregnant, I always gave my horses an Owen, especially because he does well with it. A few weeks off a couple, a few times a year, um, just to kind of rest his legs and rest his body and then pick him back up again. And usually went better for me after I did that. Yeah. I think it's, it's like a holiday, right? Like just when we go on holiday, you come back and you just feel a little fresher and a little, just, you know, ready to kind of go back to work. And, and, and that's a good thing. It's just sometimes the young horses use that to their advantage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like it depends on the horse, right? But you're older guys, I think, and and gals, they, they like a little time off. Well, Brittany, we can't, Thank you enough. And, and like I said, I'm going to fangirl you all the way to Tokyo next year, girl, I'm going to be watching. Uh, we hope we can have you back on and a year, uh, it'll just a little pause and we'll have you back on and, and be cheering you on toward Tokyo. Um, so how can our listeners find you online if they have any more questions for you? Um, I have a website, um, www.fbequestrian.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Brittany Bullia 10 and on Facebook, Brittany Frazier Bullia. Fantastic. Well, good luck and uh, give that baby a kiss for us. So cute. I will. I will. Thank you so much for having me. Well, right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back with Crystal at Boylan. Vitamin E is a powerful antioxidant that supports healthy muscle and nerve function by limiting cellular damage. Green grass is the best source of vitamin E for horses, but most horses don't spend enough time grazing to meet their needs. Hay, grain, and winter pasture provide little to no natural vitamin E. To ensure your horse's vitamin E requirements are met, choose Elevate. Elevate contains a readily available source of natural vitamin E. 
Elevate is cost-effective and easy to feed. To learn more about Elevate, visit the Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com. Well, tonight, it's truly our pleasure to have Crystalot Boylan on the show. She is the recipient of Equine Canada's Lifetime Achievement Award, a seven-time Olympian, a three-time individual Pan Am gold medalist, and part founder of the Canadian Dressage Owner and Rider Association. Crystalot, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I enjoy being here. <laughs> well, tell us, in this uh, global pandemic quarantine, uh, what have you been up to? When I left uh, Florida, I, of course, crossed the border and immediately went into this total isolation for two weeks. My daughter was dropping off food at the door. My horse, me, and my daughter in one empty barn and apartment. It was really quite uh, different, very quiet, and I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> so so now you're out yeah. you're busy again, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, now I've moved to um, my normal location for the summer in Ontario to uh, Sterling Hill Farm, and now things are getting back to normal. But I have to say those two weeks, uh, four weeks actually it turned out to be, uh, was very interesting in mono because I decided to break from any kind of dressage routine. And uh, the marathon, I really got to grips with working the hills and going up and down and going out in all kinds of weather. And yeah, it was very insightful and I think very good for her. Oh, that that, that sounds fun, except for the fact that it's been snowing up here in, in Canada. <laughs> yeah. The rest yeah. of that sounds we pretty out, good. We went out, yeah, and, and I forgot to say we also started adding Cavaletti and some jumping, uh, anything to break the routine completely from what she normally did, and certainly it was a shock coming out of Florida. I was just so happy she stayed healthy and didn't catch a cold because the temperature drop, drop within days was incredible from 30 plus to yeah you know what what it, what was happening up here yeah i think got, well, got nights at, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's been and it's been the quite barn, cold. because she was the only horse in the barn was cold mm. but everything went well good good so we, we thought you'd ha we'd have you on just to give a little um talk about your storied career i mean seven olympics and and yeah. all those Pan Ams. Um, maybe we could begin a little bit at the beginning. Like, how did you how did you get started with riding and started with dressage? Well, I'd known forever that I wanted to ride. It took me from the age of three to ten to convince my parents, and that only happened because I made my own money on a TV show, uh, a, a children's TV show. I got a a, a part that was just went on and on and on. Uh, and, uh, so I had quite a good little bank, uh, uh, account going and I finally fulfilled all the things they told me I had to do. And then I said, and now you have to deliver on the horse. So, uh, around the age of 10, I started with the Toronto North York Pony Club and began that long equestrian road, uh, which I have enjoyed all the way through, I must say. <laughs> So, okay, ten, 10 years old, you started riding, but weren't you qualified for the Olympics like eight years after At that? 17, yeah. Yeah, seven years after uh, that. I mean, yeah. yeah. that's. A, I mean, how did that all come together? Because tell, tell, tell I started with 
Pony Club, uh, and they, of course, are based on the three-day system. So we did dressage, we did uh, uh, eventing, a little, and we did stadium jumping. And uh, it, he wasn't my first, but I think I had him by the time I was 11, was Bonner. He was a racetrack reject, and um, he was going to kill me over the jumps because he is in jumping terms, he used to hang his legs, which meant uh, when it came to the little three-day event, I had turned over a few times. So slowly but surely, uh, we generated more and more into the dressage scene. And by the way, even at the small events, he was always winning the dressage and always almost killing us both over the jumps. So. <laughs> Came quite obvious what direction we were going to do and take, and uh, my mother made one decision very early in my career. At the age of fourteen, she, she sent me to Germany to train with this horse. That was unheard of at that time. It was so early, but uh, she had a dance background. She was very much into if you're going to do this, do it right, do it full time. And so there, there I was, and that's the reason it became a possibility for me to be ready for the Olympics. Although I knew when I got to Tokyo that I was not ready for an Olympic games in that sense, but I had, I had finished the qualification. I even then said to myself, this is a great learning experience. And that's what it turned out to be. That's incredible. So uh, maybe, maybe tell us like, what was your, what was the fa your favorite Olympics, uh, I guess, so far and, and maybe a little bit of like your best competitions. Okay, 1968 Mexico, because I think that was the very last Olympic Games that had no terrible breakdowns in events and the security hadn't become such that the Games are really quite a difficult thing to carry off for everybody, for the athletes, for the organizers. It must be nightmarish to think of the things that could happen. And it all occurred in 1972. I was there. I felt it. I saw it uh, when the massacre happened in the Olympic Village uh, and the Israeli athletes were taken out. So that was the beginning of the end of the Olympic, fun Olympics. That was 68. Um, 72 had the problem in Munich. And since then, 76, uh, the next Olympic Games I enjoyed really was Los Angeles, but there was still a lot of um, criteria there to get around. And the following games, whether it was Athens, where I was only coaching, uh, or 76, Montreal was completely covered in what we've become a used to now, which is the unbelievable checking in and out like as if you're at an airport. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So that, and that, that's know the history, the, uh, the yeah. side that you know you're not so aware of, but it it yeah. makes the the Olympics a very daunting uh, thing. It's not like in in Mexico was the last time you could kind of go to any event you wanted, sit down in the grass outside the stadium, uh, and nobody came after you to move uh, or do anything. But those times are gone the most important events or maybe, maybe you're just your favorite competition to go to you know a lot of people say that Aachen is is their most amazing place uh, or you know yes. tell, tell us a little uh, bit about yeah without any doubt an incredible event huge uh 
unbelievable uh, from every aspect, whether it's uh, shopping or watching events and uh, seeing many, many, many different kinds of events. But if I had to choose my most favorite dressage show over the years, I'm not sure that they aren't stopping it now. Is the Swarovski dressage event that was held in Austria every year. It was um, a CDI. It was four-star. It was small. It was beautifully done by the family Swarovski themselves. And it had us taste and fitness it with the background of the Alps, like it could be a, could have been a postcard and to ride in that environment was just a pleasure. Yes. Yes. I've, I've, I've heard that one as well has been uh, people's favorite to, to, to go to. So yes. uh, maybe we'll just, we can switch it up from competitions to, um, to you know your coaches and your teachers over the years because you've been able had the opportunity to ride under um, many of the of the German masters. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about you know your your best coaches or your most influential coaches. You know, yeah, uh, that's a better word because I, I think uh, all of us, whether it's you with your riding or me with my riding, it's a journey. It's a long, long journey, and you take some some bits from here and some bits from there. And there, of course, there are the teachers that have influenced you over time. And because they, they resonate a note with you, because I think people learn slightly differently. Some need to watch, some need to feel, some need to have it theoretically told to them. And so you are going to resonate with a certain teacher better because he hits certain chords with you. But for me, definitely, the the two biggest contributors to my uh, classic system, understanding the classic dressage system, was definitely Schulteis, uh, number one. And I stayed with my coaches also. I'm not a great fan of people who flip coaches every six months or two years or whatever, because I don't think you get to the nitty gritty that quickly. Um, you also have to ex- have experienced a few horses through their development with the coach to understand the system. So I would say Schulteis, definitely eight years, and George Teodoresco, uh, eight years. And George still used to come when I moved to Germany. I stayed in Germany for 23 years. I was coached then. I was eyes on the ground for him, and he was eyes on the ground for me, was Udo Lange. But even during those times, George would sometimes drive down from his farm in Germany and give us two or three days over a weekend. So I never lost the contact to those uh, coaches. I went to visit Schulteis uh, until he died. Um, so there's a long history behind those special uh, legends. Yeah, yeah, they were, they, they were legends. So um, now I want to hear a little bit about uh, the horses in your career. You know, who were the most, what, what were the, the horses that influenced you most or that, that you can remember the best? Horse-wise, again, this was the influence of Schulteis. Uh, Bonner was the first horse who introduced me. He was really kind of a lucky horse for me because 
with his start on the racetrack and everything, he could have been just a mess. And he did get me to two Olympic Games. He was never, I knew early on, he wasn't the superstar or even a, um, a horse that could be in the top third of an Olympic Games. But at that time, I didn't have the the knowledge or and the finesse either. So he still did a wonderful job. Um, Armagnac was very important. I got him through Mr. Schultz. He took me to the 72 games and he put me in the top 12. Uh, and Gaspano was a very special horse to me. He went to 1976 Olympics. And he, by then I was actively able to be looking for horses myself. And with help, I had been able to secure a horse called Gaspano. Uh, he was shortlisted for the U.S. team the year before. And then the the lady, the owner, had a falling out with the U.S., and I managed to put a deal together for Gaspano, which is much too long to get involved in here, but was, for me, a breaking stone because I didn't pay for the horse. I had to, I had to train three other horses for the lady and put a package together that way. But um, I've never been um, uh, a person who had... Uh, the kind of sponsor who just walked in and said, well, here's a million and a half, just go get a horse, you know? So yeah. for me, it was important to have been, to put that deal together for Gaspano and Gaspano shot up to sixth place in the Grand Prix. So for me, that was a major breakthrough. Um, then comes Beraldo, uh, who I produced, he was small tour when I got him. I got him to Grand Prix. I trained him for a wonderful owner who was Belgium Dutch. And he took me to the 92 Olympics in Barcelona. And this horse was actually a year too young for the Olympics. He still, he made the top 12 in uh, Barcelona, but he really shone in 1993. Unfortunately, I part of the deal was when I got him trained and he showed at the Olympics, he would go on sale the following year. And at the end of the 93 season, he was sold. For the first time, this horse had an incredible career. He was sold for over a million three times in his career. But uh, Beraldo uh, also made the top 12 in uh Barcelona. So for me, it may not be that I have never had a full out superstar and I've never gone out and paid that kind of money for a horse or had anybody do that. But I have consistently been able to put horses to the Olympic Games and get a very good job done. And I'm so, all right. So, yeah. So now I want to ask you, what are you looking for in a horse when, when you go out and, uh, you know, when you have maybe a, a more limited budget and what, what do you think it takes for, for a horse to, uh, to be successful in, in, in a dressage career? I never look at the budget at all. Beraldo was brought to me, for example, by uh, the owner. Uh, I wanted, actually, I, I was looking at him for a young rider that was training with me, a very wealthy young rider in Germany. And the the father came, we, we flew to uh, see the horse a couple of times, and I immediately had a nice rapport with this horse. And uh, when they turned him down because he did not fulfill all the things they wanted in a betting, 
the owner yeah. came back to me and said, you got along with him really well. Would you like to take him on and train him? And that's when we sat down. I said, I'd love to. I thought the horse was really good. So we uh, made a contract up and I uh, took Beraldo and rode him, showed him, got him ready for the Olympics. And the owner reached his goal of wanting to sell him at a super price after the Olympic Games. By then, we knew everything about him and what had bothered those people when they uh, vetted him. The fact that all the flexions were poor turned out to be a very normal thing for this horse. There was never a sounder horse. Beraldo showed late into his 18s and 19s with three different riders and never was lame. But he never got through a flexion test because he he was just too sensitive he didn't like the, the key should have been for those people to know or something i know now he had flex, bad flexions on all four not one leg right it was it was equal in in all in all it the was flexions equal. so actually if we if you know the horse then which of course i was able in all honesty to say to people who came to me after the barcelona barcelona olympics don't even bother coming if you're going to worry about the flexion tests completely. And that was the saving grace. That's the, those are some things that a horseman has to know about their horse. And yeah. it was never lame. Never, never, never lame. Interesting. Well, Chris, Lott, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your current horse, Rocky Lane, that you've been riding for, I think, three, three years now? Yes. I picked her up... Uh, in the States, she was nicely bred, but I just went up on a whim. Uh, I was finished with my uh, treat cancer treatments and had done uh, basic medium stuff and, and bits and pieces of national classes in the U.S. And um, I thought this would be a lovely project. She was exactly the type I like. She, she is not heavy uh 16.3 about perfect size for me uh vetted out nicely um and so i thought it's about time i take a project on and it forced me out of the uh, doldrums of chemotherapy and and it forced me to get back to work physically also which is what you need to do i think i at least i had a great longing to do it uh and get back. And this horse has helped. She has a wonderful character. She never, she was not scary in any sense at all. She can be strong, but she would never shy, turn around, dump you, or, you know, do any of the things that a rogue, roguish horse would do. And therefore we got on with it. I found a lot of basic stuff that I really had to go back and correct. And I'm still discovering things with her every day but now she's a grand prix horse she's fully trained she will can go through a grand prix test a grand prix special and um now it's a matter of refining or finding the next rider because my god i do have to think about retiring from the show ring or from international competition and i'm not sure that i really have the capacity to keep an FEI level horse um, just on the whim of because I like to ride her every day. But that's <laughs> the case, you know? 
But we'll I think you, I think you have to have, have have something to ride every day. But yeah, maybe not a uh, international superstar. A fully trained like, Grand Prix horse. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I, I think that's my life goal. I, myself, I think that sounds amazing. Just, just saying. <laughs> it's like it sounds great. Yeah, it is wonderful. But on the other hand, it is also my uh, way of of uh, making money and so on. So if the sure. right thing came along, I would love to see her go to a rider who could go on with her. So I, I also want to talk a little bit about your success as a coach, and you know you've you've coached many Canadians, and 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 I think not not as aware, but in Germany doing a lot of coaching. So uh, maybe you could just tell us what, like what do you enjoy about that? You know what 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 does that bring to the to to your life and and, and your feelings about it? I've always loved teaching, and kind of. Uh, was something I felt I had a, a gift to do. Uh, it, I, it started my dance teacher. So rhythmically with the voice commands and so on, I listened to teaching a lot. And then, of course, this is where having spent time with people like Schulteis and George Tedoresco uh, and all the teachers I've had uh, the luck to ride with, even if they were only clinics and whatever you learn from all those experiences. And then uh, I, I have a good, I think for giving it back and trying to find which system works with which rider. And then I'm always very, very happy to watch uh, the difficulties of a horse, try to solve them with the rider and go on with it. And, and that's a little bit, um, a gift, I think, which has developed and which I love doing. So I, I love I loved having my own successes, obviously, but I enjoy watching my students do well just as much. Awesome. Uh, and then you said you had spent 23 years in Germany uh, and then right. you moved back and then you moved back to Canada. And I, I think, moved uh, actually directly to Florida and that's to Florida. because... Uh, I had four horses in training for Jill Irving in in Germany, and uh, quite rightly so. She said after a while, "Geez, I don't see them often enough. Uh, you know, I can't get over there. Would you uh, consider bringing them over for a season to Florida?" Which I did. That was, I think, 2011 or 2012. And there were young horses and middle horses. Uh, I know there was uh, two. There were two horses just starting pre St George, and I brought her over Degas at the same time. Helped her get going on Degas herself. I had shown Degas small tour in uh, Europe very successfully, and again loved watching her take Degas through to Grand Prix together with Ashley. That and. You know he's a mainstay for the Canadian team right now. Yeah. Um, Anton was another horse that came through our German barn, and uh, it just clicked with Belinda. And Belinda and he, she took him back to Canada. He was going as a five, six-year-old with us in Germany. And again, with clinics, uh, Belinda was able to train him all the way through to Grand Prix. That was her first horse that she brought to Grand Prix, basically by herself with help in clinic form as you as you do it with your horse now. 
and look what a career he had. So, uh, and there were, of course, many other ones, but uh, this is the pleasure of being able to stand by a rider and help them over a period of years get over the difficult things and end up where they wanted to go or where the horse can take you. Or you find somewhere along the way, not that that and then I think it's important for the coach to be able to say, look, before you ride bad Grand Prix forever, drop him into a slot where he's really comfortable and where he can do a great job. That's yeah. not the news everybody wants to hear, but yeah. what when it is necessary, it you have to have enough backbone to stand up for the horse and say, look, he's unhappy. He's not good at this. Drop him into a slot that he can be really good at. Yeah. I think that's a, an important quality to have, to have in your coach, to, to, to be honest and to look after the horse, first of all, and not the, the rider's whims and, and, and want and, exactly. all, of, and no, all of those I things. You have to stand by them. And I've never had a problem with it actually, because I think uh, if you're rooted, you have to be rooted in truth to a certain degree to get anywhere yourself. And when you can help another person to make some of those decisions when the time comes, it's it's perhaps the most important thing you can do. Yeah, interesting. Good point. So I know that now you're you're being uh, pretty involved in um, building systems in Canada to improve the coaching and giving advice. So uh, maybe you can give a, a, a little bit of a, uh, a talk about, you know, w- what is the situation in our country? Where should it be? How, how do we get there? Th- that, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm really um, quite enthusiastic about my connection to Ontario Equestrian now. They've been a super group and very open to more activity like uh, clinics and training camps. And we'll see more of that. Of course, that that is where we felt the pandemic uh, the largest because we were ready to launch this spring and then everything had to be shut down. But it will start up in late summer and fall, I presume, the, the wonderful plans. And even now, the GRIT team, which are our young riders that Um, are in the GRIT program, are still getting weekly webinars. They're getting fitness programs set up. They had a wonderful webinar two weeks ago with uh, a veterinarian from Guelph who was explaining how to bring horses back after they'd been laid off for a while because a lot of these kids couldn't even get into their barns to, to move them. So they were turned out, basically. So... There's a lot that is in my uh, memory what I used to get out of a very good pony club, which apparently may or may not be the same kind of function today. But if if OE and our federations are filling that gap, then the importance is still that our young people do not just become riders and sh- and competitive riders, but that they become horse people, horsemen, horsewomen, that they know what to look for in, in the legs, in the feet, in whatever. Um, there's too much. Uh, I run to the barn, the horse is tacked up, uh, the student is on, they jump off, they run off. Of course they're busy, but where do you develop the horseship? 
in that scenario. So you have to find a, a nice base. The only last thing I want to take the opportunity to talk about a little bit is dressage today. Um, of course, there's been progress on all fronts, but I think the FEI has really taken a step back with uh, the removal of the collective marks in the test situation. I've been watching all kinds of classes over the last couple of years, and you can really see a change in the positioning of horses now that the collective marks have um, what I mean by that is the collective marks were very important for all the reasons you go out and buy, try and find a good moving horse with relaxation, with uh, balance and so on. But I think the task for the judges now is too hard because they have to take what they would give in the collective marks and first little bits and pieces in every mark. But they're so busy looking to movement, which is where the difference used to be. If you rode the changes clean, you got a, a mark for being clean. But now they're supposed to add whether the canter round, whether it was the expression and the relaxation. Was that How take that into one mark? Pretty hard to do. And therefore, I have a feeling what's happened what I saw happening in Florida, let's say, is that you could get a brilliant and he would get three, and he maybe had a mistake or two. You would get a really, I don't want to say, but a totally different type of mover that basically was carrying out the exercises but didn't have the quality in the gates. And he could get a 71 because it was totally clean through everything. Are you, you see where I'm yeah, getting at? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, not, just, I'm just thinking about not, it at a moment. But yeah. yeah. It, 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 I mean, it, I don't it's want not, to give examples um, because it's not fair to pick horses out of tests. But I'm saying there are, uh, think of some of the crossbreds you you see now and then. They suddenly can pee fear. I um Think of Frisians, Irish uh, drafts, etc. Suddenly you get one of these animals and they can really piafir a passagier. But it, although the legs are coming off the ground incredibly, it's not what I'd call a classic swinging of the back or anything like that. Now, where are they going to separate the marks if the horse does his 12 to 15 steps right on the spot? That's yeah. gone with the collective marks. Yeah. And yeah. therefore, it's becoming even more difficult because every judge has to sift through this for himself. And some of them would like to put more emphasis here or more emphasis on that. Yeah, I think, I think it becomes com complicated when you can't just say, you know, when in those collective marks, they said, well, you can point. I think it was, it was good for uh, a rider to look at those collective marks and think, where is the hole in my training? Because the judge was able to just nail it, right? Or, you know, and yes, to put a mark and put a comment saying, You're right. here's the you problem, get, right? Whereas, yeah. whereas, get a comment. All, yeah. Beautiful canter work, okay? Walk terrible. That's yeah. where it was said, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. 
And now that's gone. And it's very difficult to talk about the gates within exercise and then still decide whether it was actually done on the spot from here to there, uh, especially with the higher tests. Yeah, too many factors going into, you know, giving, you know, having to give one mark. Exactly. Exactly. So I've talked to Monica, um, lots of, of, um, top experts, and I didn't find one that said, we think the judging has gotten better under the system. So that, I mean, nothing is carved uh, forever. Um, the FEI may have to re rethink that. Um, there's lots of things going on that perhaps are not in the best interest of dressage, but are in the interest of faster tests and uh, Uh, more spectacular judging, but, uh, you know, there's got to be, somebody has got to stand up for, this is the sport that always was this way. Um, Don't take the classic out of the classic system. Well said. Well said. I think that's great. Well, Chris, we want to thank you so much for coming on our show. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, a pleasure to to hear about you know your career and your thoughts on training and horses and um, for us I think it's been it's been really for me anyways it's been really fun and uh, and we re- really appreciate your time. No problem, I'm happy to do it. It's, it's such a detailed thing. Everybody spends so uh, does their best, and the more knowledge you have, the easier it is to channel it in the right direction. I I wish all the riders or and trainers that are listening, uh, the best of luck. And if I can help in any way, that's my ongoing job ever more. So maybe you can tell us now is a good opportunity. How, how would somebody get in, get in contact with you if they wanted to do that? Well, they can Google me anytime, uh, (laughs) whatever, but, um, I think Ontario equestrian is, uh, probably the best source. Uh, They have my numbers and my, uh, contacts and uh and fa- facebook go is good you're, you're you're on facebook right i i don't uh personally do anything on facebook i was on facebook but i found it was uh took too long and i didn't really want to bog down in the she said you said this argument that argument because i don't like listening to non-experts uh, they have the right to express their opinion, but I don't necessarily want to spend the time with it. And Good so point. I save my time for other things. If I really want to watch some news or do something, I will go looking for that item. But uh, Facebook for me was too blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. Yeah. All right. Well, if somebody, so, if somebody needs you, they can, they, can, uh, they can email me or... or but I'm, yeah, I've got, I'm on I've got your contacts. On, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Otherwise, you can people can get me if they want me. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much, Chris. Lutt. Well, Phil, as always, we love the Total Saddle Fit products. Uh, they're a great company. Justin from Total Saddle Fit is fantastic. Great girth. Fantastic stability stirrup leathers. So, Phil, tell us a little bit about um, what you're thinking. Well, I was just thinking, you know, we were talking before that, you know, we've got to get Justin back on the show. I mean, uh, maybe he could answer some listener questions if if people want to submit them or we can talk about he's always coming up with new innovative product, products. So uh, 
So let's see if we can we can shoot him an email and get and get him on the show. Send us your I love that. Yeah, send us your saddle fit questions or you know about his products or about what's going on with your saddle if you got a if you got a question and and we'll we'll get going with that. I love it. Fantastic. Well, as always, totalsaddlefit.com um, is a fantastic um, company and we love their products and love, love the stability stirrup leathers. So as always, touch base with Justin and uh, he'd love to hear from you. So Phil, for our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, we've got a great group. Uh, we have Charlotte Yorst. She's one of our favorite guests. She's absolutely lovely. And Dave Thind. And they're going to talk about a webinar that they're doing together. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, tonight on the Dressage Radio Show, we are so privileged to have International Grand Prix competitor for the United States, Charlotte Yorst, one of our favorite guests on the show, along with David Thind. He is a, competed in Grand Prix Dressage and Show Jumping, awarded the German Trainer A License in 2007, equestrian biomechanics expert and authorized teacher of the Feldenkrais Awareness Through Movement. Welcome to you both, Dave and Charlotte. Thanks for coming on. Thank well, you. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. It's always so much fun. Well, we love it. And what you both ha are, have been working on works so well into kind of what we've been trying to embody here on the Dressage Radio Show during during quarantine. Uh, and I, you both have been working on a great series of webinars. And I listened today, Cleaning Tack. It was fantastic. Dave, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the program you have going? Absolutely. So uh, thank you again for having me and Charlotte. We're really happy to be here. And um, in terms of the webinar, the program that I have going, so Charlotte helped me with the, uh, gave a couple of webinars. And the first one, the topic was basically to talk about the classical seat. And I thought, okay, well, let me ask one of my old trainers, uh, who I thought was very knowledgeable um, Johann Zagers from Germany. I always love talking with him about this subject. And um, he's quite the expert. He's brought riders to the Olympics. So um, he really knows what he's doing. And um, for myself, that's my main work. I work with the biomechanics of riders using my own method. Um, but I did study the Feldenkrais method now for four years officially. But I've been using that method for close to 20 years. So uh, for those who are not aware, it's essentially, it's um, a way of retraining our bodies and our minds to have better movement. So more youthful movement, more supple movement, more coordinated movement. So uh, a lot of the things we need in our daily lives and in our dressage riding. And um, the reason I asked Charlotte to join me on the webinar is, as many of you know, she only started riding at age 35. So when I address, you know, large groups, I think it's important to realize that, you know, the adult amateurs or possibly new beginner riders, they don't want to feel that they can't relate in the sense that they can't dream to be somewhere where they see someone that looks very far away. And, you know, watching Charlotte ride, no one would ever think that she started to ride at age 35. She looks like she's had a lot of seat lessons. 
She looks like she started on ponies. You know, everything one would expect from a very highly developed rider who started early. Uh, I myself was shocked when I met Charlotte and I thought, okay, more people need to know this story because I think she can really motivate people. Um, so that's why I asked her to be on that webinar with me. And so many people wrote to say that they were inspired by her story, that they loved hearing about her. They watched her ride and they love her riding. And, um, and for those who know her, she's just such a positive, uplifting person. Uh, I think we had a great time. Well, then I'm going to just jump in and ask uh, Charlotte how she feels about being an inspiration. And, you know, where did her inspiration come from in learning to ride a little bit later in life? And, and just to give us a little bit of that story, I think that's good, would be good for our listeners. You know, um, I, I have loved this journey. And I think it's so important that you, as a person, you always try to live the best life and, and be the best person that you can be like every single day of your life. And sometimes people ask me, are you, are you in a midlife crisis? And I'm like, yes, I am. I'm always in a crisis because I don't want to be the person I was yesterday. I want to grow and I want to be, you know, I want to be a new person. I don't want to be the person that I was when I'm 55, when I'm 65 or, or even 56. I want to be a new person and I want to grow and I want to see the life. I want to test myself if I'm happy, if I'm excited about what I'm doing and if I'm proud of my life. And, and I just think it's so important that you continue to do that all your life. And a lot of times, you know, people say, you know, he died when he was 25 and we buried him when he was 75. And I just don't want to be that person. So uh, I have spent this time to develop alongside with David. You know, he says that it, it is really body and mind. And he helps me a lot with that. I think we have a lot of the same uh, feelings about how we can continue to develop ourselves. And and Felton Cries is one of them. And then I, I, I just continue to grow in my mind and read and, and have spent this time doing all of that and spreading the joy of, of getting a break like this is a little bit where you can say, okay, who do I really want to be and how do I want to grow and this writing has just been incredible for me to to do that and become a completely different person that, than I was even, you know, last year or the year before. Or it's 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 incredible. It's so much fun. Yeah. And and you are you're just an inspiration. You always, whenever I see you, make a smile and 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 truly your journey with your horses, they're so happy and healthy. And it's it's just amazing to see. So Dave, tell us a little bit about your method because I've been on your website and I listened to the webinar. It's really cool. There's lots of information there. So tell us a little bit about your method and and what you've been working on. Sure. Um so um, the reason it has my name on it and not just, you know, Feldenkrais for riders, because that's what the majority of the work is. But, you know, unlike some other practitioners that work in Feldenkrais, you know, you could have someone that works with just about any sport, works with children, works with seniors. There are several of us actually that work, um, who've studied Feldenkrais and work with riders. But my other work is um, I'm a trainer. And, you know, the two go pretty much together, hand in hand, we're educating bodies. So whether it's the horse's nervous system of how the horse should move ideally, comfortably, well, soundly, happily, 
all those things every trainer in the whole world is thinking about all the time. So I just happen to have some more tools learning through the Feldenkrais uh, way of educating and learning because that's what it really is. It's a educational system. One of his famous quotes was, I will be your last teacher, not because I'm your best teacher, but because for me, you will learn to learn. So that is what I'm offering my riders or uh, students to take my online courses. I have pre-recorded courses for riders to improve their riding from home. Um, so I've been doing this for a couple of years now, but of course, there's a lot more people who want to do this because they're at home. And I have to say, making something positive about this is that even if you are riding, you can improve. Um, but if you're not riding, you actually stand the chance to improve more because you're out of your daily habits. And, you know, you're exploring movements, not specifically as a rider, but just as a human. So we do very gentle, small movements to learn through experience, not by reading a book and saying, well, this is the right way or that's the wrong way. So a typical lesson would mean that we have specific biomechanically correct movements. And I hate to say biomechanically correct because it sounds like we're a robot in a way, but movements that just make sense to the nervous system, things that are related. So if you're turning, rolling the head or moving the shoulders or the pelvis, and, you know, various options. So it's very unlike, you know, um, anything that would teach you posture. So this is about spontaneously being able to move. And we rehearse it under very gentle, soft movements in a perfect environment where you're comfortable, you're not riding, you're not being disturbed. And then when you go ride and you're in action, it's not slow motion anymore. Everything comes relatively quickly but as if it's natural for you. So that's where the, the point in doing all this slow motion movement is. Um, Dr. Feldenkrais himself was a martial artist, and he was interested in spontaneously being able to, from a middle balance place, able to act in any direction you want and to come back to your middle. So that's not so different from our posture, um, a riding seat or position, or however you'd like to call it. And I think the other interesting thing is, of course, um, in this day and age, people are concerned with their levels of anxiety, uh, for, with reason, of course. And within the Feldenkrais method, we learn to regulate this through our breathing, through noticing what are the different things that activate the parasympathetic, the sympathetic. And these two elements actually are not mutually exclusive. So one could think, well, I'm totally relaxed, so I can't react to something that comes by surprise. Um, you know, or you ride a very lazy horse and you need to be a little bit more awake so the horse can follow you. So just having more control over that would help us in our daily lives, of course, but also in our riding. And that's what I hope to do with my courses. And people, uh, you know, I'm having a lot of fun, a lot of U.S.-based riders, Canada-based riders, but really riders from all over the world um, taking part in either my live Zoom classes, which I'm having. This is new. I used to only offer the recorded classes or private live classes. I decided to offer uh, groups of 25 or 24 with me as a teacher. 
uh, mostly because only 24 fit on the page in Zoom, and I want to be able to, <laughs> you know, really see people and um, make it a community event where people feel that they're part of a group, they get to know each other. Um, I think people really miss interacting with their fellow riders, and you know, if you can't go to the barn or attend the clinic. It's not exactly the same, but learning as a group, that camaraderie, and realizing that other people struggle with the same issues, and, you know, just having a place to come to to learn and be part of a group, and I'm having a lot of fun, of course, teaching in general, but providing that venue, which I think is much needed right now, so I'm very grateful for that opportunity. So Charlotte, tell us, um, what are you doing, um, for yourself with your horses and your fitness, uh, while we're in quarantine, what are some things that you've been working on? You know, for me, habits and rituals and, um, creating good situations for yourself. It's, it, it's, it's just paramount. And, um, I brought all my horses to Reno. I, you know, first of all, I think getting a break from, what you usually do is is usually a good thing because you get to really think about how how you can handle this differently. If is there a better way of doing it? And and obviously I have been really traveling with the horses all over the world. I've been in Europe every summer. I've been in Florida every winter. So getting all my horses together in Reno and, and being able to rethink all my habits and rituals and how I keep myself motivated through this has been a, a, a huge learning experience for me again, you know. So uh, so what, what uh, I'm really enjoying having all the horses here and I try to stay with everything. I get up in the morning, I make a plan for what I'm going to do with each horse. And then I go to the barn and every horse gets ridden. I've also set up a, uh, an online learning system in my, in Reno with PCM that follows me. And I have my trainer, Mary Myers. Uh, I had two lessons this morning. I started at eight o'clock and then I had a lesson at nine o'clock and we're going to do it again on Sunday. And that's extremely helpful. Then I have started my four-year-old horse that um, Vivian, that I had somebody else ride, but now I ride her. And uh, Nintendo is getting a big of a break, so I, I just walk him for uh, 30 minutes every day, but really staying with my routine. Um, and then I, my grandchild is at the ranch. I see him. I go home. Mm-hmm. I swim 80 laps in my pool. And then um, I, uh, you know, we I have the the time in the evening to hang with my family and we, and we usually have dinner, but creating like half. And, you know, sometimes I'm not motivated, especially when it's like pouring rain or it's been snowing here and, <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's, it's tough to get out there and, and ride Cause I don't have an indoor arena and sometimes I'm freezing and I'm cold and everything, but creating really these habits and rituals, you know, then you, you are at the barn and you get warm as you ride each horse and, and everything. Then, then you stick with, with the plan. So I'm actually feeling that my horses are progressing tremendously. They are loving the green grass. Now they're getting turnouts. And so we all live a little differently, um, Mm -hmm. but it's not worse. It's actually in many ways better. And it just has given me a breathing room to really kind of reevaluate how everything is it really 
something I want to do every summer, go to go to Europe, do I really, maybe I want to shorten it a little bit so I can be more with the family or the horses can get more of a rest. And so I feel like these are great times to really think about what you can do. And then I have connected with the Dave and we're doing the webinars. We're reaching out to a lot of people and uh, we are working once a week together. Um, and in my situation, it is, it is a little bit mind over matter because starting so late, I mean, I was just, I'm a normal person, you know, with, I had a normal life before I sat in an office every day. And, and then all of a sudden I make this huge life change. And in the beginning, I, I bought, I bought a trailer and I was trailering around my horses to a little shows myself. And, and I just worked my way up. So, uh, so going back to some of those habits and going back to basics and, and just working on yourself and your horses. And I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Shyla, I was going to ask you, because I'm a bit of a fan, I think I, we're friends on Facebook or whatever, but you've got a, a very beautiful young stallion, um, yeah. Grand Galaxy. How, I mean, how was he doing? How, how, did he, how did he adjust from coming over from Europe? And, and, and th- does he remind you of Vitalis at all? Or, you know, because that was another really awesome young stallion that, that you, you owned and rode and trained and yeah, he's definitely not like Vitalis at all. He uh, okay. came to Reno, <laughs> and I have actually I have a really good story about him. I came to Reno, and he was crazy because they all are. He had never been, you know, he's always been in a ten by ten stall at Hellstrand. That's where he has lived his whole life. And I yeah. bring him to Reno, and it's all open. Everything is open. I don't have a fence around my arena. Um, all the stalls are open. The horses can touch. There was the newborn uh, foal and um, three two-year-olds and Vivian, which is a four-year-old mare, and everybody's out and looking at each other, and they live in these outdoor sheds. So uh, he was insane when he came. <laughs> I mean, completely crazy. I mean, I, the penis was out 24-7, and he is like... Winning and everything, and I am like, oh my god, this! I don't know how I'm gonna get on him. So in the beginning, my groom would like walk me up to the arena, and then I would ride. And some days he didn't really want to go somewhere because he was so stallion. And then, um, and then he got, he has got, he actually pretty quickly adopted, and and hence, I mean, so good for him to to be. Now he's just insanely beautiful. But then the other day. Um, I was up riding him and he's doing fantastic and he's actually very calm and sweet now, which is incredible because he still sees all the mirrors and the little soul every day. And, and he just moses around and loves and all of them. But the other day, uh, Vivian got loose from my groom and I came down from the arena and came into the stall and there is Vivian in full on heat running towards him with her bridle between her legs. And, um, and just, I don't know how she got away, but she did. And she didn't really want to, you know how it is. They run 20 meters and then they stop, but he was, she was running and he's coming and he just went <clears throat> a little bit. And then you mostly right back into across. I thought I was going to die. I'm like, okay, this is where my life ends. <laughs> this is it. My world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this so is I it. Have, 
this is it. Goodbye. <laughs> so I have my little excitement too. I have to imagine, uh, um, admit I was a little weak in the knees when I got off, but he was perfect. <laughs> so he has had a, a huge adjustment, a huge adjustment from being inside 24-7 in a 10 by 10 to be outside with all the other horses, being able to touch and feel and having mares running at him, foals being there and everything. <laughs> so it's been, it's, been, it's been incredible for him, but he has adjusted and now he turns out perfectly. He touches the other horses. So it's, it's been really, it's been a great experience for me with that horse. It's everybody right now is adjusting. That's what we say. Life is just a, yeah, it's a it's challenge for everyone, no matter <laughs> what you're doing. You know, I love it. Well, yeah. so Dave, Dave, can you tell us um, a little bit about the webinars? How can we find the webinars? You know, give us some information about them. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, probably with the easiest, the quickest way is just to put in my name, Dave Thind Method, T-H-I-N-D into YouTube and several stuff should show up. Or if you go to my website, davethinmethod.com, underneath the resources uh, section, you'll find some links to some of the webinars where you can um, do. And the part two of the webinar that uh, Charlotte was involved with, I gave a full, a full class actually entitled find your seat bones and vertical alignment. So it was a, introductory Feldenkrais for Riders class. And I led people through these movements, uh, so those that attended, and the results were amazing. I was very, very happy with, um, you know, all the comments from everyone and a lot of emails after. And, of course, a lot of people signed up for my classes. And I want to say that about 150 people were on that call and at least, so I have two groups that right now started from there and a third one. So almost half of those people have signed up for courses. And these were not particularly people I was already working with. So with all these changing times, you know, I'm also doing a lot more work at the barn myself. I'm lucky enough to live on my farm. Um, so in between, you know, doing all of this either group online teaching or private sessions, I still have my wonderful horses to ride. And, you know, we pretty much shut down the farm, which slowly started to open up where people can come in um, and ride with, you know, the necessary precautions. Um, but I have a lot more work. So like Charlotte, I'm waking up early. I'm doing barn <laughs> chores. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. It's I okay. think we're there. It's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny when team. you start reaching out and you start working and I mean, and you, when you keep your good habits up, how you yes. just, how, how life just kind of sorts itself out. It's true, Absolutely. isn't it? And I have to say one thing though, so amazing for me. And every time I've had the chance to do this type of extra, you know, I'm the one who does night check every night. I love night check. Mm -hmm. Why I stopped doing it when I have staff to do, I don't know. I really love that special quiet time. There's nothing like it for me, um, you know, just to be with the horses and, and really appreciate their individual characters and take the time to actually make them feel that they're cared for and noticed as individuals. Because I think that, with you know, very busy training barns, it's not, that's not something that I've ever 
really wanted to run. I have 28 stalls here, but I have always only kept one barn open um, just because I think that for me personally, I really want that individual time with the horses and to recognize them as individuals and give them their individual care and ride them that way and make them feel listened to and cared for. I myself am not able to handle, you know, a large number. And, you know, in situations like this, when I don't have the staff that I'm used to, I'm able to handle it pretty much on my own with the, you know, the caring and I have someone to help me do the stalls, but, you know, other than that, I have some help with turnout in the afternoon, but um, it's really funny that I uh, I laugh and say, you know, it's a bit like having a working student position again. I have to run around all day, literally from paddock to paddock, run this way, run that way, run back to my office to give an online lesson, run back down, ride a horse. But it's getting me in shape, and I feel really good, actually. Um, love being outside all the time. I love that I am able to go in and work in my home office. So, um, I'm not so sure how, how much I want things to be different after all this is over, to be quite honest. I really am enjoying having the time with my horses, riding more and, you know, just being really efficient. I'm having a great time. Yeah, no, I think it's so true. I think, and that's one of the things that we've, you know, depending on where you are, you sort of have to make the best of it. And, and I'm in the same boat here in my stable. Uh, you know, I'm, I live also on the property, so I, it's been the same way. It's been lovely to actually, you know, there's nowhere to go. So I can go out and hand graze a horse in the evening or just spend some special time with them, which has been fantastic. Well, um, Dave, if you could one more time, give us your, um, information and then Charlotte, if you could follow with how our listeners can find you online if they have any questions. Um, yes, absolutely. Oh, can, ahead, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they can, you can email me um, at charlottejorst at gmail.com or message me via my Facebook or, um, or just ask me on Facebook. I'm pretty much on all the time and I show updates on all my beautiful horses and, and the, the habits and rituals that I try to keep up and, and uh, and I'm always available. I love uh, I love the horses and I love this community. I love everything about it. So I'm always there. <laughs> I love it, and I've loved seeing baby Vivian grow up. That's been really fun. So <laughs> oh, today her canter is just amazing. I'm posting a video of her soon. Uh, I'm also a fan, so I will definitely like it as well. Dave, one more time, how can we find you online? Yeah, well, absolutely. I, I first would love to say that I love that Charlotte is so open to the whole community and being accessible. And I'd like to echo that and say that, you know, you can email me personally, uh, Dave at Aspire Farm, that's A-S-P-I-R-E farm.com. Um, myself, my personal profile on Facebook, Dave Thin Method on Facebook. Um, or through my webpage. So any way you wish to reach me. And what I would like to say is that if you're a rider that you're not sure whether this type of work, uh, my program or Feldenkrais in general, like I said, there's, there's lots of really good, talented Feldenkrais practitioners that work with riders specifically. So I would encourage everybody. So the reason I told that story earlier about how many people went on to... Um, 
get more involved in this after trying it, please try it. You know, so I have that actual class, the vertical alignment seat bone class on my website. If you try it, it takes 45 minutes. If you're undisturbed by, you know, children, animals, and you actually give it a try, um, I would be shocked if you don't feel a difference. You know, as riders in particular, I think we have that knack for feeling. So please it's try amazing. that. And if you, yeah, it's um, amazing. I have had such great experience with it. It's been so great. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you both so much for coming on the show. Um, I'm going to check it out myself. And uh, I also enjoyed the webinar. So thank you both. And we look forward to touching base with you soon. As always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. And we especially like the workout ones because we get a laugh out of them. Uh, and we're <laughs> feeling the same way. So keep them up. Yeah, we we love the work. We, we can share in the pain. We'll share in the pain and we will not use your name because but Phil and I will, will laugh with you. So keep it up. We love it. We hope we're, we're having, adding a little bit of sunshine to your week uh, in quarantine and whoever you guys are, wherever you are and how things are going. So as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back and stay safe and well for us. And we look forward to talking with you next week.